As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from deep inside the Silicon Valley future machine. We have a great show for you today, but before we get there, I just have a very quick reminder. Do keep sending in those questions for Sir Richard Branson. I'm sitting down with him next week, in fact, and though the interview won't actually run till the following week due to a few boring logistical details, the point is, this is your last chance. So please keep them rolling in. People seem very interested in the Hyperloop, but if you have any other things that are burning a hole in your brain, email me. It's danny.fortson, F-O-R-T-S-O-N, at sunday-times.co.uk, or you can find me on Twitter, at Danny Fortson, and beyond that, I don't know what to tell you. Also, I want to say thank you for those who have already sent in questions. I think it's going to make for a very lively and interesting interview, so thank you for that. And one little other thing, if you are enjoying the show, take a minute, stop an Apple podcast, give a little rating, maybe jot down a few words if you so desire. Uh, It really does help other people find the show. But that is it. We digress. We have a show to do. Yo, technology, what is it all about? 70% is overweight or obese. Almost 40% is obese. It needs an an immediate solution. Like, we can't just keep talking about it and saying it's getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, that's true, but, but something drastic has to happen. Thank you for tuning in to Danny in the Valley. This week, we have none other than Christina Bognet on the show. And Christine, I'm sorry if I've just mangled your name. It's B-O-G-N-E-T. We spent quite a long time talking, but I never said your last name, so hopefully I have not just completely mangled it. Christina is the founder of PlateJoy, which is a company that is helping people avoid diabetes and live healthier lives. No big deal. And she's doing it by, not with a magic pill or anything like that, but using some very clever technology to coax people into living healthier and eating better. And obviously this is big. You know, I learned a lot talking to Christina, but here's one factoid. The healthcare costs of obesity-related illnesses just in America, which is the fattest group of people ever to walk the earth, is $1.5 trillion a year, which is just staggering. And the UK is not too far behind it in terms of obesity rates. So we are literally eating ourselves to death and Christine has come up with a quite clever and effective way to help people try to deal with that. So we talk about how she got started, the difficulty of getting people to treat themselves well, using algorithms to get people to eat better, and we even talk about why fasting may not be a totally terrible idea. I'm not convinced on the last point, but you might be. Anyhow, it's a fascinating chat. I think you'll really dig it. There's certainly a few things that I took away from it, and I'm sure you will as well. But I will stop blathering. And without further ado, give you Christina. 
So what is the product? How does it work? So we take the approach of helping people with their nutrition first and foremost, and we use over 50 data points about how you eat and live, what your goals and preferences are to figure out. So I fill out a survey. Yep, you fill out a pretty lengthy survey, which interestingly enough, the longer the survey gets, the higher the conversion rate gets on that page. So people really like filling out the survey and telling us more about themselves. So we learn about your preferences, if you're trying to lose weight, if your kids are picky eaters, where you're gonna grow, grocery shop, what your leftover preferences are, how much time you have to cook. What your leftover preferences are? Yeah, like there are all these things that make such a big difference for people. So what are my options on leftover preferences? Uh, Do you want them? Do you like leftovers? People are so polarized. So we have customers who are like, I would never eat a leftover and I would never serve a leftover to my family. And then we have other customers who are like, leftovers are the, are the life force of Leftovers our, are life. Yeah. yeah, like how can we not? We get all those preferences from you, and then we give you a shopping list and a menu for the week that you can use to prepare your meals. And you can take that shopping list and integrate it. There's an integration with Instacart in over 4,000 cities and towns nationwide. So with one click, the entire shopping list gets sent over and translated into something that you can order from Whole Foods or Kroger or Safeway same day if you want, or you can take the shopping list with you to the store. And then you have the the meals that are tailored to your portion sizes. If you're paleo, they're gonna be free, you know, low carb and free of things like legumes and dairy and sometimes gluten. If you're following a low FODMAP diet, have you ever heard of a low FODMAP diet? Low what? <laughs> it's, a, no. it's a diet that's really helpful for people with digestive illnesses. So do with the types of sugars that are in foods and different fruits and vegetables and even things like onions and garlic and tons of research showing that if you reduce these in the diets of people with digestive illnesses, everything from IBS most commonly to even inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, that you can drastically reduce symptoms. But it's a very hard diet to follow. So there are things like that. There's the ketogenic diet. There's obviously people who are vegan. So we're making it really easy for people to follow the diet that's going to work best for them. And that's been the product that consumers have been purchasing. So it's about $100 a year up until a few months ago. The new thing that we've launched recently is more in the disease prevention realm. Yeah, what is that? We've taken things a step further. From the beginning, when I first pitched the idea for Playjoy many years ago, I talked about this concept of one day we want insurers to pay for the product. Health insurers should be paying for this product for people. And And the product is effectively an assistant to help you eat and cook better. Yeah, the product is all about getting people to an optimal state of nutrition, which is really hard for for folks. What we've realized now is that over the past few years, there's been been research and just an acceptance in the health insurer community that paying for disease prevention makes a ton of sense. So it's very cost effective. In many cases, these lifestyle intervention programs, like the one that Playjoy has, are more effective than medication. And so the product now is based on this study, very interesting study that was done in the early 2000s by the National Institutes of Health. And it looked at patients who have prediabetes. Prediabetics usually have higher than normal blood glucose 
And it's estimated that about 90 million Americans are pre-diabetic yeah. today, which is crazy. It's almost a third of the population. Most of them don't know it. They'll likely go on to develop diabetes in the next five to 15 years. And so this study looked at giving patients who are at risk for diabetes either a placebo, metformin, which is a really popular diabetes medication, you know, pretty cool drug, pretty safe drug, gave people metformin. And then they also, in the third arm of the study, gave people a lifestyle intervention program, which is about a 16-week program focused on things like education around sleep and stress reduction and food and exercise, et cetera. What they expected was, you know, maybe we can show that a lifestyle intervention program works just as well as a drug. And what the study actually showed is that the lifestyle intervention program worked twice as well as the medication. Twice as well as taking a drug. Yep. So the placebo did nothing, which is actually rare. Usually the placebo does something. There was actually even another drug that started to, I think they, it killed some people. And so they had to take that out of the study. Metformin reduced progression to diabetes by 30% which is not bad, considering the metformin was being used off-label for pre-diabetics. But the lifestyle intervention program reduced progression to diabetes by 60%. It's a cheap program to administer, and it not only helps people reduce diabetes, it also just improves the quality of their life. If we can teach people about how to get better sleep and how to exercise and how to motivate themselves, it's impactful not just for pre-diabetes, not just for their life, but for other diseases as well, heart disease, cancer. This is an academic study? Yes, it was done by the NIH. And that was when? When was that That study? was in 2002. Okay. It's now finally, so years later, it sort of started to be offered as an in-person program. So the YMCA is actually the biggest provider of this diabetes prevention lifestyle program today. But recently, it's started to be accepted by insurers in a digital format as well. So PlayJoy's built one of the first virtual digital diabetes prevention programs. That's and paid for by insurance. Yeah, and so we, we work with insurers to reimburse us for administering the program. So today, there are about 20 million people in the country that can receive this product for free. Covered by their insurance. Covered by right. insurance, right. yeah. So the consumer pays nothing out of pocket, which is an important distinction because sometimes when your insurance pays for things, it means you go and buy something and then you can submit the receipt and it's this huge arduous yeah. process, kind of like you know getting a rebate, which never happens. But in this case, you take a 60-second quiz and the quiz asks you questions about your height, weight, determine your BMI, your family history, have you had a parent with diabetes, have you ever been formally diagnosed? Some people have been via blood test. And it uses a little algorithm to determine your risk. And if you qualify, you immediately get sent over to a PlateJoy program and you can start using it that day for free. And when I say this product, I mean the nutrition product that I just described around the 50 data points and the, the meal planning right. and the algorithms that we've built there to help people eat healthier. But we've also built an educational program that mirrors what the study conducted in the early 2000s did for those patients. Our approach on this particular program was to do it via video format. So we actually take users on a journey where they follow me, cheap labor, through this process where I talk to a lot of experts about how people can be healthier. So we talk to people like Gretchen Rubin, who's the author of a number of New York Times bestselling books related to motivation and happiness and health. Robert Lustig, who's a UCSF professor you might be familiar with, who really hates sugar and is an, you know, an endocrinology aficionado. Again, going back to the consumer 
page out of a consumer book. How do we create something for people that they're actually going to like consuming and watching that feels more like Netflix and less like the... Not like the pamphlet in the in the doctor's yeah, office. Yeah, or like the, the new hire training video that you're forced to watch when you, when you start a new job that's really boring and, and just feels sterile. The other thing that I think is brilliant and magical that insurers also provide you with for free uh, is a free digital wireless scale that comes to you the first week of the program and it's really the advent of this technology that allows us to offer this program virtually because in the past you had to go to a YMCA stand on the scale have Marianne write down your weight Mm -hmm. uh, in front of everyone and then you know report that number to the insurance company and it's this really cumbersome process yeah because actually in London I was part of a gym Mm -hmm. and they had Weight Watchers meeting there every Friday morning did you go? I did not (laughs) Um, But I always saw these ladies kind of trudge in there, Uh and it was underground, and there was a scale, and they would just line up and stand, like, wait to weigh in, and it was kind of like, it didn't seem like it was a very enjoyable process. Yeah, yeah. It's purgatory. Yeah. and also just the the idea of having to go somewhere every week. Some people just can't make that work for their schedule. Virtual but if it's in your are, bathroom, you just... Right. You just get on. Yeah. yeah. And so... So, they so get, you get on, you weigh in, and then it just zaps that info We get the data. You. Yeah. And I'm, I'm laughing because it just reminded me that we have... So we have a bunch of these scales in our office and one night, and we started getting all this <laughs> data at like... Three o'clock in the morning, someone was getting on the scale, and we were like, "What?" You know, the office is locked, and we realized it was like the cleaning person who, like, every night would get right, on and weigh right, themselves. Right, right, right. Uh, and so my co-founder was like, "What do we do with this data? Like, you know, do we just keep?" And so we we know that this person's making some progress themselves towards <laughs> a goal. But yes, yeah, so we get that information immediately, and that enables us to really check in with people. So we know, okay, Taylor has lost. of their body weight, which is amazing, but their partner hasn't. How do we intervene in in a particular way? Or how do we congratulate them and celebrate what they've done so far? So you get that. And then after you complete the first couple weeks of the program, you also get a free Fitbit. And the Fitbit comes as a way to track your activity. And we also have an integration with Fitbit. And so we we are able to upload that data into the account too, so people can follow it. And we really think, and there's research that shows that getting on the scale frequently works. It's more effective for people who are trying to lose weight than not. There's a lot of conflict around this. Some people say... Yeah, people kind of look askance at the the scale across the room and just say, I'm not getting near that thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's how I was actually 50 pounds overweight in college, which is one of yeah, the... Yeah, so things. why don't we... So, so well, I want to... I have lots of questions about yeah. retention and motivation and all that stuff. What is your background? How did you... Why did you start this? So... I've always been very interested in science and medicine and went to college planning to become a doctor. And, and you went to? I went to MIT and studied neuroscience. Where, with our mutual friend, Patrick Collison. <laughs> yes, that's true. Patrick and I met because uh, his dorm flooded, so he had to move to a new dorm that was across the hall from one of my best friends. And she was right. like, there's this Irish kid with red hair who's living across the hall. Come meet him. And, and so we met and became friends with him. He, he left us pretty early on to start his first company, which is not Stripe. Oh, um, right, right, right. And then came back senior year and then left again. But yes, so, so Patrick is, you know, he, he's an MIT dropout. He never quite got the, got the diploma, but seems to have worked out for him. Yeah, he seems to be doing okay. <laughs> So yeah, so I went to MIT, I studied neuroscience, and I 
did a lot of medical and health research and was never one of those people that was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was always, always completely sure that I would be a doctor, period, which is funny now because that's not what I'm, what I'm doing. But simultaneously, while I was in college, I was 50 pounds overweight. I got there in part because I wasn't getting on a scale ever. So I was very oh, I'm just going to do the best I can. And there are so yeah. many other things that I'm focused on. I was, I was studying constantly. I wasn't working out. I finally weighed myself at the end of my junior year. I've had many of these moments in my life where I get on the scale and I'm like, this, how do I get such a broken scale? Like, yeah, how did this happen? This can't be right. The scale is so broken. Right. Um, and so... And so I, had, I started this journey to lose 50 pounds to get myself to a point where I was, was no longer overweight. And uh, I tried meal delivery services. I tried like six or seven of them. I would eat the food over a garbage can so that I could eat, like easily throw it out because sometimes it was so disgusting that I like could just take a few bites and oh. then I'd be like, oh, I kind of had to do it. And so I finally lost the weight. And then in the process of applying for med school or in the process of taking the MCAT, I started doing some healthcare consulting. I was working at a 100-person boutique firm that worked with a lot of pharmaceutical and device companies. And I was put on a bunch of cases around diabetes and obesity and metabolic illnesses and just chronic disease in general, which is not surprising because most disease is chronic and or related to obesity. And it was my job at the time to talk to as many physicians as I possibly could to better understand how they were helping their patients. And I kept hearing the same sentiment over and over from doctors, almost like off the record. They'd be like, you know, by the way, if we could just change patient's lifestyle or their nutrition, we could take them off these medications. And I remember one doctor was like, even if we could get this, you know, a patient to lose five or 10 pounds, we might be able to reduce their insulin dosage like, drastically. Right. And, I, and I, when I first started hearing it, I would sort of write like a question mark next to the note and be like, is this, that can't be this true. person's like a yeah. kook, like they're, they're coming up with their like alternative viewpoint about medicine. And then I kept hearing it. And so I started to look into it and I talked to other people at the firm about it. And, you know, I was kind of a typical know-it-all 23-year-old who would like waltz into the partner's office at the firm and be like, knock, knock, like I have a, you know, an idea or like right. I'm hearing that and like, you know, you're not, you're really not supposed to do that. And I remember one time I did it and I was just like, I keep hearing that it's all about lifestyle and nutrition. Like, can't we do something that doesn't involve pharmaceuticals? Like, can't we make a recommendation to this pharmaceutical company about doing something? And they like kind of roll their eyes and be like, yeah, this is sort of, this it's kind is of their against drug. their business. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to quit my job and to start a company that I felt would have the potential for making the biggest impact in people's lives. And really, I mean, it was a tough decision because I love people. I love the idea of clinical medicine. Yet I was sort of taking, took this really logical approach where I was like, if I care about helping people uh, become healthier. And the number one thing that people can do to prevent disease or to even treat their disease once it's already started is change their lifestyle, even just a little. Why am I going to you know, see one patient at a time yeah. when a lot of times these people are almost too far, far gone? And, you know, we were talking about Patrick. It was actually a conversation that I had with Patrick. We were at the Russell House Tavern in Harvard Square eating their amazing French fries and burgers, ironically. Um, <laughs> and they're really, really good French fries. And and I was sort of say, 
saying all this to Patrick, I was like incredulous. Like, you know, why aren't people working on this? Like, what's the problem? If it's such low-hanging fruit, it's not, and everything that I did at MIT, even my research was so specific and focused on, yeah. you know, molecules and, This you know, feels very squishy. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, yeah. you know, we're just gonna help people lose 10 or 20 pounds, like, that's it. We don't have to come up with a, a new, you know, P53 inhibitor that's gonna, yeah. and, and Patrick was like, Absolutely, you should. Yeah, start a company. Like you know, if that if you really believe it to be true, then then you should do it. And and I was super naive at the time, and was like, okay, tell me I can do it. I probably can do it. So, so you quit your job and and then came up with a pitch deck, and then yeah, and the first the first people that we pitched were actually it was an arm of a health insurance company. They invested. What? Yeah. I never hear that. So you yeah. your first pitch, you come out and you got an investor. Yeah. It was lucky. It was very lucky. I didn't really think that much of it. I was like, cool, I have an idea. I pitched an investor and, and they, they're investing and we'll go from here. Work. And was it just a couple hundred grand or something to get? Oh, it was a super small investment. It was like 50K. Right. But enough to get started. And I, I, I made two websites kind of simultaneously trying to figure out which one was better, and you know, which is so funny to me now. A-B testing. Of course, yeah, of course, like none of that ever. <laughs> I thought it was so cool that we had 10 customers. I was like very overconfident about that, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, we're doing um, about $1,000 in revenue. And people would be like, per month? And I'd be like, no, like up until now, we've done like 1000 <laughs> And like I was like, wow, $1,000. You ended up getting into Y Combinator, is that right? Yeah, we actually raised a seed a little bit before YC and then did Y Combinator in the summer of 2015. How was that? <laughs> YC is great. I mean, I think one of the best things that came out of YC is actually just the support of other founders. So in my year, maybe 10% of the founders were women, which sucks and is terrible. And like, I wish it were 50%. But it's also cool because those women, especially the ones that stayed in San Francisco, have become such close friends. And you know, we had this little dinner afterwards. We were like, oh, we'll just do like a YC female founder dinner from our batch. And we could actually like all fit around a table. <laughs> Whereas if you did a YC male founder, it'd be like literally 250 yeah. people. Yeah, just an amazing group of really supportive, badass women who like we always talk about how thankful we are for YC because it, it helped us meet each other. And it's just so fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really cool social experience as well. Like you're learning a ton, but in, in a way that's very vibrant and yeah. um, you know South Bay is is super hot during the summer so it's just the whole experience like I look back at it and it kind of feels like I was in this utopian dream right, have right. you ever done YC I have not I have not <laughs> I no. recommend it it's really fun <laughs> I need to come up with an idea first um, you know you need to come up with a problem first that's what people always say I need an idea you just need a problem the right. idea doesn't matter you can figure out how to solve the problem in a million different ways I can come up with lots of problems yeah, yeah that's good that's good you see you're halfway there iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, and how much have you raised total? We've raised about $2.7 Back to Plate Joy. This seems hard people don't stick to diets and that's obviously everybody knows that that's the hard part what is the metric of success for you and how do you keep people in there are two things the first is that for when we first started to really go into the space of helping people lose weight and not necessarily the personalized nutrition because i've always known that that's really hard for people to do on their own but just when it comes to kind of simple tactics around weight loss i'd always assumed that it wasn't about education which is totally valid, right? It's really hard to keep motivation up with these Mm -hmm. sorts of things. What I've learned over the past few months of running this program and talking to many, many customers about it is that that actually doesn't seem to be the case, which is extremely motivating for me. makes me really optimistic about the potential for the product. We have lots of customers who just aren't really familiar with what carbohydrates are, for example. And why should they be? If no one's ever explained why getting adequate sleep is important for your physiology, how would you know that? I'm also from a from a really small town, and uh, when I go home for holidays, I go to the grocery store a lot because I like cooking, and, you know, there's also not much to do there, and so we really focus our time on, like, what's yeah. something cool we can make for dinner? And I'll look at the carts of other people at the store, and people multiple times will remark on, like, our family's cart and be like, everything is so healthy that you're eating. And you can tell that people want to eat healthily as well. They just haven't been educated in that way. And I don't mean it in like a derogatory way. It just sort of is what it is. One of the ways that you help people live healthier lifestyles is just by teaching them why it's not great to eat processed food. Like we keep hearing that, but like, what is it about processed food that's food that's so bad? Well, processed food is stripped of fiber to make it shelf stable. Fiber is really important for the microbiome, so the bacteria in your gut. It's also important because it helps blunt the effects of things like sugar as your body's processing it. It's not going to spike your blood sugar. I mean, there's all these things that, you know, I didn't even know when I started out. I didn't know that. That as we teach people, it becomes really second nature to them to just make the better choice. And it's also not about restriction and depriving yourself. One of the reasons that Plato's focus on nutrition is helpful in these products is because healthy food can be amazing. I mean, it's especially if you focus on recipes that look good to you. And so it feels like just adding more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff and less like, I'm going to take away everything pleasurable that exists in my yeah. life. We have a customer who told me that they eat 10 cans of soda per day. 10 and cans just, of soda yeah. per day. And I honestly, when I read that email, I like put my head in my hands. It like It like, it really upset me. And just the process of talking to this person and, and trying to explain, like, what, what does it mean to get 600 grams of sugar 
per day, honestly, when you're when you're drinking that much soda. And how can we empower you to change that? If you have the mindset that the reason I don't want you to eat 10 cans of soda a day is because I don't think you deserve all that wonderful sugar. It's just quote unquote not good for you. These are the things that you will be able to do in your life when you take away that sugar and your body starts to adjust to being healthier. Often in Silicon Valley, everyone here is smart, and many people here know why they should be eating healthy and have really thought it through. You know, among my peers, the rates of obesity and, uh, and diabetes is lower, but that's not the case for most of the country. And I think that's a really, I mean, it's a sad thing and staggering thing, but it also makes me really optimistic yeah. because there's so much room for improvement. The second part is measuring progress. So we really encourage people to get on the scale every day. The scale is... That's the measure. That's a, a major measure, measure of success. We get paid by insurance companies, by the way, when people meet different milestones. You know, healthcare is moving towards this pay for performance type model. So if a doctor is able to keep you from progressing to the next stage of a disease and the doctor is getting a bonus or, get, or actually getting paid, whereas in the past, if you see the doctor, you get paid regardless of whether or not they're effective. I think that's a really wonderful thing. Um, and so that's how it works with our product too. Based on weight loss outcomes, we also get paid just based on whether or not people are tracking their activity. Are they talking to their virtual coach? That's a part of it too. And are they um, making menus and are they watching the videos? So we can assume that if a person has, you know, sat down and watched a 10 or 15 minute video about stress reduction, that they've retained some knowledge about stress reduction and there's a little quiz at the end. So that's all related to how we get paid. But if a person's getting on the scale every day and they're seeing progress in the right direction, it is so motivating. But if you historically have followed diets that haven't worked or that have worked for a day or two and then you know you've yo-yoed back of course you're going to quit the diet yeah. freaking work and so effectively this is kind of like a healthcare subscription yeah it's a it's a lifestyle change program it's not a diet we try not to use the word diet we found that people don't like to think of themselves as being on a diet people yeah. don't even like to think of themselves as trying to lose weight which has been interesting for us they like to just think of living healthier part of being a startup we have all of these moral and ethical, mission-driven motives. But we also want people to use the product. And so we've A-B tested a lot of the language on the site and we know what works. And using words like diet and weight diet. loss- And diet is like not work. one of those. And I'll try in the conversations, I'll say like, you know, I've lost 50 pounds. Are you trying to lose weight? And they'll still just not, not want to mention it. It has such a psychological burden with people, they want weight loss to be part of a larger shift for them. This idea of kind of preventative medicine, well, how difficult was it to get insurance companies, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot, or if there's just one so far, that to actually pay for this? Insurance companies are becoming so much more amenable to these types of programs, even in the past year or two, than they ever have been in the past. So I don't think you and Even I, in the last year or two? Yeah. So I don't think you and I could be having this conversation five years ago. Like I mentioned, that study was done in 2002, and we've known, I mean, yeah. go, go ask any doctor on the street whether they think lifestyle change is important for their patients. Everyone will say no. Everyone knows this. But it takes a while for, for t taking a drug is just what's standard. Yeah, and it's also very clear. It's like you have a problem, here's your solution. Right, In a right. very neat package. Right, right. It's almost a cliche, here's your pill. The problem is people don't often take drugs. Drugs aren't that effective in many cases, and they have side effects. It's taken a while for insurers to start to kind of, it's great that they're doing this. 
But it's also because they're driven by the economics of it as well, right? They understand, holy shit, I can spend a few hundred dollars on a patient to prevent their diabetes, or I can spend $90,000 over the course of a patient's lifetime on their diet to treat their diabetes. That's the kind of tip. That's the typical. That's the average average spend for a patient with diabetes. And then Mm. that's just diabetes. What about all the other things that happen? That's once they start dialysis till death, basically. Not every diabetic has dialysis. Once they're diagnosed with diabetes, until yeah until until death. 90 grand 90 grand the general idea here that I think I didn't even realize until I really started studying this is around insulin resistance insulin has many functions in the body over 300 functions that we know of but one of its main functions is that it drives energy into cells and so you okay. think about like a brain cell you want to be able to drive energy into your brain cells so that it can function optimally what happens is that when glucose is chronically high in the body, which it is in most Americans, at least 50% of Americans probably, insulin also has to become high too because insulin and glucose work together. And insulin helps drive that glucose or that energy into the cells. And so the problem with insulin being chronically high is that the body stops responding to it. And so insulin needs to get higher and higher and higher so that the cells will realize that it's there. It's like if you drink 12 cups of coffee a day. Exactly. Or the analogy we like to use with customers is imagine that you're at a rock concert and it's super loud, but you kind of don't realize how loud it is, except the person next to you has to scream to a point where their voice is hoarse to talk to you. That's insulin. And so what you can do, yeah, and what you can do is go outside of the concert and get to a level where it's normal again and the person can talk to you softly and you can understand what they're saying. And so we're trying to bring people back into, into that zone. But So if you're pre-diabetic, it's actually a pretty big deal because it means that you're likely insulin resistant. And once that process starts, it's not easy to reverse it without making some major lifestyle changes. And if you don't reverse it and it gets to a point of actually having full-blown diabetes, what that means is that the cells in your body can't get the right energy that they need. And so you can have things like blindness, which is a complication of diabetes because the cells in your retina don't get what they need to work. You end up with foot amputations because the, like I mentioned, the cells in your feet stop getting what they need to work. And so when we talk about costs, a lot of the costs are just related to those kind of complications. complications. Yes. So you know, you had to get your foot amputated. Well, how much does that cost? So it's super expensive. Insurance companies are finally realizing this, that if you actually go and add up all of the costs related to diseases that are associated with obesity, it's about $1.5 trillion. So it's almost like laughably large and it's getting so much worse. Mm. The chronic disease is about $450 billion alone. And so insurance companies are realizing it. They're starting to pay for it. So it's becoming a government mandate uh, because the science is so obviously there. It's unethical not to offer people. And the science has been there solution. since 2002. You know, if I came to you and said, I'm looking to get a genetic test. Where should I go? I want to get my genome sequenced. Or I want to get my SNP sequenced. What should I do? Probably, what would you say? 23 Exactly. You would say, go to 23andMe. Like, right? It just yeah. comes right up. But what if your friend calls you and says, I've been diagnosed with depression or migraines or yeah. IBS or diabetes, whatever it is. What, what, should, I, what should I do? I mean, I, the doctor's recommending some medications, but like, what do you think I should do? Come on, you're, you're my smart friend, Danny. Like, you're, what, what, where should I go? But you also have to have kind of hard science behind what you're recommending, as well as like a chef, 
or a nutritionist, someone who can come up with stuff that people can make that's easy-ish. The team is super interesting. We definitely need, you know, food photographers. Food photography. Yeah, people want to see that the food looks great. Um, interesting. So nutritionists for sure, recipe developers. So we actually even have the food photographers eat the food afterwards and give us extra feedback. And if anything drops below a certain star rating, it just gets thrown out. The engineering component is super important, and we we are very serious about building tools that make it so that we don't need a ton of coaches. We don't just want to build another business that has 80 dietitians who are at the ready for synchronous communication, and they're really expensive. We're more about answering the question of what do people ask coaches? So why do people want a coach? What are the questions that they have to help them along the way? And then how can we just build the technology that does that so that they don't need to ask a coach, hey, do you have a good recipe for X? Or what should I buy at the grocery store this week so that I can achieve Y? We also do a lot of uh, video content around topics that, you know, one of our most recent topics is around intermittent fasting. I don't know if you're familiar with that yeah. at all, um, but that's a question that you know coaches get asked a lot, and that people are really interested. in. A lot in of people we, do that around these parts. I, you're looking at one of them. Really? Every day. Yeah. That sounds terrible. 18 hours a day. I know it's kind of crazy, but it works. It works. Do yeah. you feel good though? Um, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I already know the answer. <laughs> I'm very hungry. No, I feel. Um, I feel good to be achieving the goals that I want to achieve. So, so last year I actually gained back about 15 pounds in large part because I stopped getting on a scale. I was like, whatever. You know, I actually had my co-founder, you mentioned team, my co-founder Daniel, come over to my house at seven o'clock to get on my scale because I was convinced it was broken because I hadn't gotten on it in six months. And I was like, this cannot be right. right. And they remember he's like, oh, nope, it's exactly right. right. <laughs> no. So, so yes, yeah, so I've been doing it for the past few months and I've, I've lost almost all the weight. So fa- I think fasting is has huge potential to be used therapeutically for a number of different diseases, not just obesity. When I think of fasting, it feels just totally impractical in terms. Absolutely not. No, that it's such a fallacy. If you had asked me a year ago, two years ago, do you think that you could just eat between 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. every day? I would have said 100% no. There's no yeah. There's no way I can do it. And that's what everyone says, right? Because we're trained yeah. to eat between And isn't breakfast hours. the most important meal of the it's day? It's not the most important meal of the day. That's complete bullshit that we've been fed by cereal companies and muffin companies. And there's no, there's not a lot of great evidence. Even for kids when they're in school and they need their food to kind of go think. You know, I think, well, for kids, I don't know. And, and again, right. there's like, there's not, there's not a good intermittent right. fasting study. Kids are just different in general. So yeah, like yeah. under the age of 18, who knows? Just the general explanation for fasting is like, people used to have to hunt for their food. And so they wouldn't mm-hmm. eat for days at a time. And then they would find some food and then they would eat and feast. And then they would go out and try to find it again. And now, you know, we're basically eating almost 24-7. Like we're going to bed and probably having a bedtime snack and then waking up the next morning and immediately you feel the hunger pang and you start eating. Yeah. And so you've just adapted to that way of eating. And what that's led to is a country in which 70 plus percent of the population is overweight or obese. People have... This is 70% is overweight. Seventy percent is overweight or obese. Almost forty percent is o- obese. Mm. It's it's so wow. staggering. It needs an an immediate solution. Like we can't just keep talking about it and saying it's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean that's true, but but something drastic has to happen. And so when you think about something like fasting, 
one of the interesting things about it is that it, it reduces your insulin. So we talked about insulin before and how bad it can be for it to be chronically elevated. And fasting stops that from, from happening. And so the, we interviewed this researcher, Ethan Weiss, at UCSF, uh, who's a, a researcher on fasting. And he said this, I think, very interesting thing to me, and this was before I started really fasting, which was, um, why do we respond to hunger with food? Like, why, why do we need to respond to, like, there are lots of, of sensations and urges that we get throughout the day that we, like, don't necessarily immediately respond to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you might think, oh, it'd be so fun to go outside right now and jump rope or whatever yeah. you're thinking, and like, but it's not the right time for that right now, and I know that I've already, I'll jump rope later, I'll jump rope early in the day or whatever it is. And I'm jump roping later today. <laughs> That's what I do every day. (laughs) I've not driven many years, Um, but but this idea that the second you feel hungry, you need to go eat something, is what leads to people eating vastly more calories than they need to, and is what what leads to people being overweight. So what's his answer? Just like when you get hungry, what do you do? Go jump rope. Yeah, go jump rope. Exactly. No, it'll pass. You know, you can be hungry for ten or fifteen minutes. Maybe you can, you know, maybe you're thirsty. Drink some water, or just deal with it. And so, I sort of have completely changed the way that I think about food now and respond to things like hunger. I'm getting enough calories. I'm eating very healthily. I'm eating like all of my nutrients. I mean, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. I'm sort of really focused on making sure that I'm I'm eating well. But after seven o'clock, I don't need to eat anymore, really. Like I've, I've had ample food throughout the day. And in the morning, again, there's this evidence that shows that if you, you want to put your body into a place where it's burning your own fat, and if you're eating, your body's not gonna burn fat. And so if you're in the fed state, then you're burning glucose for energy. And so if you can get past 16 hours, your body starts burning fat for energy. And so I know that in the morning, I'm burning fat for energy. I can see the number on the, trail, on the scale changing. You know, that's my goal right now. My goal is to, is to lose the weight that I, that I gained. Right. And, and we've seen phenomenal results with customers too. Right. Like they're, and it's immediate. It happens in the first week. You don't need to wait and wait and wait and maybe see a tiny uh, change. You also start to realize how much of eating is emotional. So it's like, I just had dinner an hour ago, and now I'm trying to go get another snack. What's this about? Like, what am I feeling that's causing me to feel like I need to fill some kind of void with food? It's not necessarily easy to execute, but there's not a ton that I need to tell you. If you want want it to fast tomorrow, all I have to tell you is eat between one and seven. And then we could finish our conversation, right? Right. It took me 10 seconds. Whereas if I wanted to give you a comprehensive eating plan, it could take me 10 hours. So I have one more question, then I'll let you go. So have you thought about how you get this out across social class? When you talk about obesity and over people who are overweight, it is disproportionately amongst the poor, people who don't have access or and or time or the kind of structure. Have you thought about how you kind of get this to everybody? How do you get there? You know, 70% of the country is overweight or obese. It's certainly not the case that 70% of the country is in the bottom economic bracket. Obesity and being overweight affects a lot of different classes of people for sure. You're right, there is a disproportionate number of folks in in those lower socioeconomic brackets that, that are struggling in this way. And that's where I think that things like insurers paying for it and even government mandates around Medicaid and Medicare are really promising and important. So within the next year, I expect some Medicaid states to start covering Plagiar's program for people. And so 
It's about making sure that the education that we're providing is going to meet that, you know, literacy level. And part of that, I've always found solving this particular problem to be super interesting, and we haven't gone full throttle into it yet. But, you know, people who are on food stamps, whether they realize it or, or not, and we all do, have this problem to solve every week where it's like, given my budget, what are the what are the yeah. best things that I can buy? And there's always these cool, you know, BuzzFeed uh, articles where it's like we put the the CEO of Trader Joe's on an eighty dollar a week budget and sent him to Aldi or to Trader Joe's or whatever and to see what he would buy. Like, and he says, you know, well, I realized that I could get this many cans of beans and I could do this. And it's like, well, that should be just be an algorithm, right? Like, why do we have to have a person sitting here trying to figure out how they can stretch the dollar in a way that would be maximally healthy and delicious? Like a computer can figure that out, yeah. right? And we actually have the data, all of this, the SKU data from grocery stores yeah. and recipe data to figure that out as well. How could we say, okay, your constraints are that you have $60 this week, you're trying to feed two people, and this is the grocery store in this state that you are shopping at. We know their inventory and we know your preferences. Boom, here's your shopping list. Here's what you're going to make this week and, and here are the recipes to do it. That's a pretty compelling thing to be yeah. able to, to do. And so I think there's huge potential there. And then on the other end, it's around figuring out where people can get the, the most bang for their you know proverbial buck in terms of things like fasting. So we have people who are on the, the bottom end of the socioeconomic bracket who are fasting. And they've told us, you know, I actually, I can't afford a gym membership. I can't afford to do a lot of the things that, that maybe you've suggested. But just tell me what to do that I can, you know, reasonably do and so we'll say okay for you the best plan is going to be fasting can you figure out how to adjust your schedule so that you're just drinking coffee in the morning you can have by the way coffee with cream uh, or tea with cream which is what I do not half and half just yeah, cream. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. going to be wondering, can I do milk? No, it has to be heavy no cream. milk. No, it has to be heavy cream because heavy cream won't spike your insulin because it's just fat. The answer Interesting. to can I do X, Y, Z is no. Okay. Everyone comes up with a new question every day. Yeah. Okay, what about this? No. Um, but anyway, so you can, you, or you can do black coffee, tea, whatever. So yeah. for those people, fasting is going to be a great option. And then simple things like cutting sugar. Just understanding where, where sugar is coming from, learning to read labels. What are the, the quick things that we can yeah. do? What we've found is that people who are most affected, who are you know heaviest, severely or morbidly obese, Genetics plays a large role, the microbiome plays a large role, but there's also probably a few things that they are doing that they can easily stop. And that's the promising part of it. I'm almost more optimistic about the people that are in that lower bracket than I am about middle class yeah. because there tend to be few, fewer like easy levers that you can pull when you're already doing a, a lot of things right. And that is all the time we have. Thank you for for listening. Thank you to Christina for taking the time. Um, it certainly gives me um, something to think about, something to chew on. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, yeah, please stop an Apple podcast. I know I asked before, I'll ask again. Uh, give a rating and review. It really does help. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you or hear you will hear from me next week. And in the meantime, I am, as always, in the paper, in the Sunday Times, online at thetimes.co.uk, uh, on Twitter at Danny Fortson, and on the electronic mail at Danny.Fortson at Sunday-Times.co.uk.
Thanks very much. Bye-bye. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.